Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. All right. Got about, you know, 30, 40% on that one. How about this one? Don't worry about a thing, cause gonna be all right. That one's a little more obscure, Bob Marley. First one was Bobby McFerrin from 1980-something, Bob Marley from I don't know when. Maybe we could go back a little further. How about the Beach Boys? Don't worry, baby. Everything will turn out all right. Remember that one? Don't worry. It's a good message. Now, the thing that Bobby McFerrin, Bob Marley, and the Beach Boys might tell us not to, and despite that, worry weighs on us, doesn't it? As we look at this text from Luke chapter 12 today, Jesus has, well, the same message, don't worry. But the reality is life is complicated, isn't it? Life is hard. It's not possible to just go, okay, thanks, Bobby McFerrin. I won't worry. I will be happy. Check. Done. Because there's almost always something on our minds. From the reading for today, food and clothing are kind of in focus right there, right? Similar to Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus says, you know, with the birds and the flowers in the field. Here in Luke 12, he says it this way. To his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Are those your issues? This morning, did you get up and think, what am I going to wear? I mean, maybe that's why you're on the stream today, because you didn't have any clothes to put on, and so you thought, I can stay in my house and turn on the, the stream of worship, and it's still fine. So... If that's you, okay. Or did any of us wake up this morning and think, there is literally no food in the house. I don't have anything to eat for breakfast. Probably not. Because in our lives and in this culture and in the place where we live and in the United States of America, there's very few people who are as destitute as not having food. Now, there are some, but I don't think that affects anybody that's here today and anybody that's on the stream today. I could be wrong. I don't know. But for most of us, the the question isn't, will I have clothes to put on? It's, which of my many, many outfits will I put on today? Or is the shirt that I want wrinkled in the bottom of the basket that I haven't unloaded because I don't even have room to store all of my things. My drawers are overflowing. Is the shirt that I want to wear that one? And so I'm going to have to pick something else. That's not a reason for anxiety, right? That's a reason for purging, which is on our agenda to do soon, is to go through and get rid of some of these things because we have too much. So for most of us, the issue isn't what we're going to wear or what we're going to put on, because we have pantries and closets overflowing, and storage units, when our 
houses get too full, we put things in the storage unit or in the garage. Our garage, we can't put vehicles in because we have so much other stuff. Some of it doesn't belong in the house, and, you know, we like our camping gear and drum sets and bicycles. So we don't have a lot of space in the garage, but there's more than that in there. As a family, we used to have one refrigerator. We moved into a condo when Gina was, I don't know, six weeks old, and it did not have a refrigerator in it. So I went out to buy one, and, you know, I was a seminarian at the time. This was vicarage year, and we didn't have an abundance of cash available. So I went out and found a refrigerator that was big enough for the four of us because Little tiny Gina didn't have a lot of food in the fridge, so it was really kind of three of us that we needed this refrigerator for. We used that fridge, though, from that year for several years. We took it back to St. Louis with us. It was our fridge uh, in the house where we were in St. Louis. And when we did that, we kept the other fridge. I forget where we put it. So then we had two refrigerators. Then when we moved to our home in Oklahoma... Then we kept that fridge still. And for a while, it was the four of us, and then I think maybe the five of us. And this refrigerator was like one of those that's like this tall. I'm comparing it to my height, and I'm I'm not a tall person, just in case the reference is getting lost somewhere. Like, now our refrigerator is probably at least this tall, right? And not only that, we have two. Because we got a bigger refrigerator when we were in Oklahoma still, And it's got side-by-side doors and all these drawers and everything. And the doors you open, and you can fit gallons of milk on both sides. On the doors. And the freezer pulls out this way. And it's awesome. Because you can see all your stuff. Like a giant drawer. When we moved into our house here, that refrigerator didn't fit in the refrigerator spot. So it went in the garage. We kept the fridge that was in the house. And now we have two, and guess what? Until just a couple of weeks ago when Paula finally was like, I'm sick of looking at all this stuff that we're never going to use, and went through it when everyone else was out of the house, and so we didn't even miss any of it. Until then, it was just full. Both of them. That's how it is for us, right? We have an abundance. We have so much, but we still have anxiety about other things because we have other issues. Just because our refrigerators are full and our closets are overflowing doesn't mean that there's no stress in our lives, does it? We have other issues that we wrestle with. Stresses and burdens and worries. The future is out in front of us. And for Gina, we got a move coming up to Arizona where she's going to enroll in a school and only kind of knows one other person on the campus. And by kind of, I mean they've met a couple of times. Oh, and the girl we met on the airplane, whose name we don't remember, and she's a nursing student and probably a senior. So will you even see her again with 27,000 students on campus? She'll be a junior. Okay. Who knows? Maybe you'll bump into her and you guys will recognize each other. I don't know. Anybody else worried about the future? Concerned. Maybe not worried but anxious, possibly. School's starting. That creates its own anxiety. But there's other things, health-related concerns and financial burdens, and you, 
we keep hearing all this interest rates and inflation and supply chain, and oh my gosh. Ugh. Concerns consume our attention, don't they? They consume our attention. People everywhere stress. It's not new to have stress and anxiety. It's not new to have things that we're thinking about. I mean, look at the Old Testament reading. Abram is a man who was promised things, right? Go to this land. You're going to have abundance. You're going to get the land. You're going to have family, et cetera, et cetera. And in the reading in the Old Testament, this is where Abram's talking to God, and he's like, look, I'm getting up there. And my wife, you know, we're not able to do this. So you're promising me descendants, but Eleazar of Damascus is going to be my heir. Something doesn't make sense. And God reassures him. But what we know about Abram is not too long later, they started taking things into their own hands and doing it their own way. There's other examples Moses was worried that he wasn't the right man for the job. David was stressed about Saul. Martha worried about handling the details of Jesus' visit when Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Come on. And here in Luke chapter 12, we talked about this last week, there's a man in the crowd who's inquiring about his inheritance. And actually, if you look at the, the whole chapter, that, whole, that thing looks like an interruption. Jesus is talking to his disciples already early in the chapter, up above the the man in the crowd who asks the question. He's already talking about anxiety, actually. He's talking about worrying and being aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and worrying and fearing things that could happen. But he's saying, fear God, right, In, in that healthy, respectful way because God is holy and just right? But you don't have to be anxious about your life. He's already said that. He's kind of laid the groundwork up above earlier in the chapter. And then the man comes along and says, well, hey, teacher, tell tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And I mean, if you kind of take that step back, it looks like this guy interrupts Jesus' train of thought, and Jesus turns to him and says, okay, who made me the arbiter, the judge? between you two, and then tells the story about the man who wanted to tear down his barns. We talked about that last week. I read this. There was a study that concluded that 40% of what we worry about will never happen. That 30% is because of things in the past that can't be changed anyway. That 12% is about criticism from others, most of which is untrue. That 10% is about health issues and what happens when we worry about our health. It doesn't help. It makes things worse. So 8% is about real problems we have to face, which means 92% is about stuff that either doesn't help to worry about, can't be changed, or doesn't matter. 92%. Wow. Wow. I read another uh, more recent study that Penn State researchers found that 91.4% of worry didn't come true. Similar statistic. So, you know, what are we doing? (laughs) Worrying and being anxious about all of this. 
through all of that, our minds are divided. The word that's translated worry or anxiety or being anxious here, in Greek is the word merimnao. Don't worry, there's not a quiz. But that comes from two Greek words, meridzo and ne, which is a really hard word or kind of sounds weird. But the first word, meridzo, is like meridian. It's a word that means divide, um, to distribute. And mne is the word that we get like mnemonic devices from, or however you say that word. It's the M-N-E words. Amnesia is another related word. Because you put the A in front of anything that's Greek and it means not, right? So not mind, amnesia. So meridzo and mne make this word merimnao, which is divided mind. Is that how your anxiety works for you? Is your mind divided between the thing that you're stuck on and the thing that you're trying to think about or wanting to think about or you should need to be thinking about? That's how it feels, right? Our minds are divided. We're in two places at the same time mentally. Jesus even says this, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So I'm fluent in more than one language. My second language is sarcasm. And occasionally, I've done this. This is kind of a confession. When my wife has been concerned about something, to the point of, you know, it's worry. I have said, worry, that'll fix it. That might not be the right thing to say. <laughs> I don't know, you can ask her afterward. If... But I th- it's, it actually has helped, I think. Has it helped? Yeah, okay. She nodded, just in case, on the stream you can't see her over here. Because what is it, what's the meaning behind that? That our worry doesn't change things. Our anxiety doesn't fix things. When we're divided mentally, it's not improving the situation. So the worry and the anxiety aren't making progress toward any kind of solution. But we go through life with worry and anxiety and dividing our thoughts. We're practically ignoring the promise of provision. There's promise of provision. Okay? God meets our needs. The Creator made it all and sustains life and gives us what we need. God meets our needs. Earlier in the chapter, like I mentioned before, Jesus is setting up this whole idea. And if we backed up to verses 6 and 7, we, we would see this. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? These might be familiar words because his eye is on the sparrow is a song that some people know. Reading on in the text, and not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. See, the sparrows are valuable. And Jesus is saying he's paying attention to the sparrows, right? The birds of the field, they don't toil or spin, but God knows and feeds them. 
Have you ever seen a rib cage on a bird? Like because it's hungry. This is a starving bird. Its ribs are showing. I don't think I have. I've seen some sickly birds. I've seen some birds that got in a collision with automobiles or other things. But I don't know that I've ever seen one that looked like it starved. And Jesus is saying, God takes care of the birds and you are worth more. So if God so clothes the grass, he goes on to say in verse 28, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? God knows our needs. Of food and clothing, of health, of family and friends, of shelter, of safety. But wait, there's more. It sounds like an infomercial, right? There's more. God promises to provide things, but his gifts are abundant. Because it's not just food and clothing that we get from God, right? He's not just meeting our physical needs. And this is what he says. Toward the end of the reading, we saw this in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not. You've been given the kingdom through the gift of faith, through the gift of the sacrifice of Jesus. By His grace, we've been made part of the kingdom of God made citizens of his kingdom by his work on our behalf. He's given that to us as a gift that we have received purely by his grace. And as citizens of the kingdom, we can trust in God. So trust. Trust in God. What does that mean? What does it look like? It's easy to say. But when something's bothering us, it's a little harder to do. One way to do that is to let go of burdens. To let go. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says this, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That means giving God our anxiety, our burden, our problems. Sometimes that's easier than others. When we were on our trip in Austria, the the first kind of full day that we had um, in the country, went into the city of Innsbruck. We were worried about our clothing. No, we weren't. We had dirty clothing. That was the issue. We were gone for three weeks, and you can't pack for three full weeks, can you? So we had clothes that needed to be laundered, and we found a laundromat that was open. So we drove into the city of Innsbruck. And while we were there, we started driving around in the, the city. Not everything is the same there. We drove past a train station, and there's train tracks that are, you know, on the road because there's the light rail kind of thing, but it's not marked the same as the VTA. And there were trains, and there's buses, and there's cars, and there's lights, and there's signs. They don't publish their signs in my first language, nor in sarcasm, my second language. They're in a different language. It's German, and I have some German. I can speak a little bit. Ein bisschen Deutsch. Aber mein Deutsch ist nicht so gut. So, driving and reading is not the way to sit and, like, translate. It doesn't really, it's not that fast. Okay? So we're driving around in the city, and all of a sudden it's like, I'm not sure that I'm in a lane that 
is supposed to be going that way at this traffic light. And I think I'm straddling some train tracks right now. This might not be a good idea. And the light is red. I don't know how long I should stay. So from a lane that wasn't against the curb, I turned right on red in a foreign country. Then later, we you know, drove around a little bit more, and I actually dropped Paula off at one point because she was going to go into this walking street area and look for something. And, and I said, I'll go find a place to park, or I'm, I'll swing around and I'll pick you back up. We'll figure it out. So I go around the block a couple of times. And I'm following Google Maps. And Google Maps says, you know, drive down this street and then turn left here. And it's this narrow alley. And I'm like, you know, trying to, in the car, like, come on, I don't want to scratch the doors. And so like the third time I'm going to drive down this alley, there's a police car coming the other way. And he looks at me and he's like, you can't drive here. And I'm like, thank you, officer. He said, go that way. So I did, and I go that way, and then Google Maps, is, you know, it reroutes. doesn't even tell you anymore. So it brings me around, and I come right back to the same little alley, and it says, turn left. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> but I have already a couple of times, and when I did, I drove down this street. And one time, one time there was a guy on the sidewalk who looked at me like, who are you and what are you doing here? It wasn't a full-on walking street. Those have like barricades and people are literally walking in the middle of the street. So I know it wasn't that, but I started to wonder that night. I woke up in the night and all these memories of the things that I had done in this city and so I'm driving around, not reading the signs because I can't. I started to wonder, you know, are there cameras? Are they going to have the license plate of this rental car? Am I going to get to the airport when I'm trying to turn this car in and there's going to be somebody there waiting for me? Here are your tickets for all these things you did that day. And it's just the mind, right? And it starts going. And I feel like I can't stop. Uh. Corey Tenboom said this, Any concern too small to be turned into a prayer is too small to be made into a burden. I read that and I thought, wow, that's good. If I think it's so small that God shouldn't care about it or isn't worried about it or wouldn't be concerned about it, then I shouldn't either. And if it is big enough that I think God should be concerned about it or would be concerned, then why don't I pray about it? Why don't I ask God for his help and his support and his encouragement and a solution? But sometimes I don't. Because sometimes I get in that divided mind time, and I really am not divided. I'm just focused on one thing, and it's the thing I'm so anxious about and worried about, and it keeps me up at night, and that's how it works. Cast your burdens on the one who cares for you. As I say that, I need to hear it too. I need to know that God has my best in mind. That God has my burdens already solved, that God knows what I need and provides it. That doesn't mean that everything that we experience is going to work out. Believe it or not, the Beach Boys weren't right. Don't worry, baby, everything will be all right. Well, not always. But God has a bigger picture in mind. 
It doesn't always work out the way we would want, so instead we can focus on the future. Because more important than our concerns of today, or this week or month or year, more important than that is God's gift of the kingdom. And so we can have this bigger picture in our minds as well, and we can count our blessings. We can keep things in perspective. A person that Gene and I both have met because of Spoke Folk, his name's Mark. He's a pastor in Texas now. I go back like 35 years with this guy, a friend of mine. And he says this, eternity matters most. Is that right? Eternity matters most. So when we're thinking about our problems that wouldn't be problems two weeks or two months from now, because whatever it is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. No matter how it works out, it's going to be okay. Eternity matters most because the future that we've been promised is guaranteed, regardless of what happens to us in this life. We can focus on the future, this gift that we have in the presence of God, and that sure gives us a different perspective about the things that occupy our thoughts. The supply chain issues that affect what we can find at the store or how quickly I can get parts for a bicycle really don't matter in light of eternity. But we live in the here and now. We're not just putting all of our attention on that future. So in the here and now, we can use God's gifts for his glory. Jesus goes on to say this in verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. In other words, some of those abundant things that we have stuffed into our closet, we need to share with someone who could use them now. Instead of someone who uses them, me, once every six months. Instead, we can give away things that are of value. Or we can sell those things and support the kingdom with that proceed. Instead of worrying about what we have or don't have, we can realize that life is more than food or clothes or any other thing. Don't worry. Find your happiness in Jesus. Turns out Bobby McFerrin was pretty close. Don't worry. Be happy because you are a blessed, forgiven person with a future secured in God Almighty. Don't worry. Jesus is your friend. Amen.